Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And it's a warm welcome on a freezing cold day here to the uh, to this your February edition of the Reds Review Audio Magazine. It's yes, your monthly take on all things Liverpool Football Club right here on Nanfield Index. I am Andy Wales, joined as ever by my partner in crime, my co-host, the man of a million podcasts, Mr. Guy Drinkle. How are you doing, Guy? I'm good, Andy. How are you? Chilly up here, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Bloody freezing. Uh, thankfully, not quite as cold as it is in the Midwest of, of USA, where they've got the polar vortex. Yes, but, yeah. But hell, it's cold enough here, so we, we can't survive a bit of frost. God knows what will happen with Brexit, but we'll leave that one uh, out the way. Right, now, we as we as always, we we start um, we start the res review looking back on the previous month's results. And I, I'm going to kind of prerequisite this uh, guy with, with saying, for me... Uh, when we look back at December, obviously everything was positive. Looking back at January, it's kind of, for me, it's kind of reminiscent of when we look back at November's results um, in terms of it was a real mixed bag of performances and results. What, I, I don't know how you feel about that one. Yeah, I think it's a good comparison, actually. I think <clears throat> I'm just looking back at the November ones and still haunted by that Red Star game. Um it, it, yeah, it's a, it's a real it's a real good comparison to be fair. I mean, we've beat two teams there in that in that month that we should have beaten, um, and then the rest of the results are really mixed. And you could kind of say the same of this month. Um, obviously, we're going to go for him game by game, but we've lost to a big team in Manchester City, other PSG cup game. Nobody cares. Um, we'll obviously talk about that in a bit. And then the re- two easy games, and then. Middling game, uh, we we struggled last night, and obviously that's a bit more fresher in the memory. But last night was uh, was a horrid performance. Yeah, we will certainly get to <laughs> to to the game from last night, the game against List uh, Leicester. Um, I, I do feel um, affected by the conditions as well, but um, we'll we'll get to all that. So you mentioned, look, the month did not start off too well um, away at Man City. I guess we were all a little nervous going into it, even though we'd had a brilliant month and Man City had lost a couple of games. But there was a lot of confidence around, but I was still nervous because we, we know how good Man City are and they were at home. And for me, Guy, I thought it was a mistake who was going in with that flat midfield. I, I just feel like we kind of invited them on and we we did okay, but I, I just felt disappointed in that we, we played for me, we kind of played within ourselves and we, we never really sort of put them to the sword when when you think that we're, you know, we came into the game on the back of such a positive set of results and Man City probably a bit indifferent. Yeah, that that, that was the thing, really. Obviously, we we just gone, I think we won every game in December, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Um, and we were the form team in the world, never mind the Premier League. Um, and... As you said, we went into Manchester City looking to kind of contain them, I thought. And obviously they kind of did the same at Anfield and, and should have won that game, I think it's fair to say, with the penalty decisions and, and penalty miss and stuff. But even though our defensive records improved 
like night and day. Like it, it's it's literally uncomparable now. I still don't want us to play like we can contain probably the best attack in the world. Um, because we just couldn't. We just can't. Not especially when we had uh, Joe Gomez wasn't playing. We didn't have Fabinho starting. It just it it just seemed to go wrong. It just seemed to be wrong that game, and obviously the the midfield we played, which is termed the uh, Brexit midfield, even though Ginny's Dutch, but when he plays with them two, he kind of turns it into a Brexit midfielder. <laughs> um, we kind of put lots of emphasis on the fullbacks, and obviously, spoiler, uh, goal of the month's going to be pretty easy this one, but it was in this game. But it put a lot of um, pressure on Trent and Robbo in this game, and other than the goal, they didn't really offer too much. And um, yeah, it just seemed it just seemed to be wrong from the outset. And I thought Man City just deserved to win that game pretty comfortably, really. Yeah, that that's that's the thing. Isn't it? I, I know that obviously there was the. There was a big decision in that game as well. And this, another thing in the month, you know, we've had so many narratives mm. put out there by rival fans, and you've even got some sections of the media, and and that gimp over in Doha that's, <laughs> that Sky sacked off, um, or the pair of gimps that Sky sacked off over there. You know, th- this sort of narrative that Mo Salah's a diver and a cheat, and Liverpool are getting the benefit of all the decisions from uh, officials. I, there's been a, f- a few few moments throughout this um, throughout this month where, in, in particular, where decisions have not gone in our favour. And in the Man City game, it's it's not just little decisions. It's it's for me, it's it's the key decisions, you know, important ones to be made. And the Vincent Company tackle, uh, for me, was by the laws of the game, it, it was a red card. Uh, and 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 these sometimes you know games can turn on on decisions and had Man City been down to ten men, I, I, perhaps the result could have changed. It, maybe it would have been different. I, obviously, we'll never know. But it's frustrating when moments in games go against you like that. Yeah, I mean, it it, it was a. Uh... Because of the size of the game, it, it adds extra frustration. I mean, when I first saw it, I thought it was. I pretty much identical with the Van Dyke challenge we saw against Napoli the 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 month previous, and then you look at it again, and I know Van Dyke's tackle you could say is possibly a red card, but you look at companies and you're just like, oh, that's horrendous. That's a hundred percent a red card. He's he's off the ground. He's out of control, and I mean he's tackling him probably shin high, if not knee high, if I remember correctly. It's it just, I mean. The whole salad narrative of diving and stuff's kind of gone through the roof, probably since the Newcastle game. Um, but nobody seems to mention, the, as you said, nobody seems to mention these these decisions that go against us. I mean, um, that one especially, and even last night there was a couple, um, and uh, I can't really remember the I can't remember re- remember the other games. Far from the Palace one being mental, but I can't remember any rest decisions. But there's been some big moments, especially in this month, and it's. Uh, as you said, uh, the two people over in uh, Dubai or whatever—I mean, they're just—they're just caught jesters at this point. Aren't they? They're just absolute crap. Yeah, um, there, there is the sorry. There was that blatant handball against Palace before they'd actually scored. So, uh, I yes, mean, yeah. yeah, obviously we won that game. Uh, yeah. We've had look, we have had some decisions go in our favour. We've had some moments of fortune, but they tend to have, they've tended to be in games where we've won anyway. So. We haven't really sort of benefited too much from uh, the good fortune, so uh, you just hope that these kind of moments that you look back on won't be a board of frustration come the end of the season. But I agree also with what what you did say on the City game, in that, in all honesty, on the balance of play, I thought they were just a, a bit better than us, unfortunately, on the night. Yeah, and that's the real kicker. I mean, refer- well, it's it's difficult saying this, but referees are that bad now you're almost numb to bad decisions obviously you're frustrated in the moment but you look back and you just go there's not a si- maybe michael oliver but the rest of the referees you just look oh for god's sake it, i mean marty atkinson last night i can't remember who did the man city game but it, i think it might have been anthony taylor if i remember it correctly. was anthony taylor yeah, yes mank mank on mank action <laughs> um and you just look and you go oh, why is it him i mean when you watch another, t- we we fortunately can't get Mike Dean because he's a scouser and stuff. But I mean, at least he'd be banter. <laughs> but uh, we we just 
Outside of Michael Oliver, I think this is probably the worst crop uh, set of referees I've ever seen. And um, this month's really com- just compelled that. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, it'll only be Liverpool fans listening to this, but if other fans were listening, they'd be probably laughing at us because we get our fair share of the rub of the green. But, I mean, regardless of that, the, re- the state of referees is just horrendous now. It is, and that goes for, for all clubs, really. I think there's exactly, some, yeah. some really poor decisions. And, you know, marginal ones, marginal offsides, I can forgive because, you know, it's so marginal, it's difficult. You know, and when referees don't have the best view, you can understand. But when they have clear views and it's clear and obvious decisions, it is very frustrating. And, and yeah, there is a, a really poor set of referees that, that look, you know, they're impacting on many different uh, many different games for, for all clubs. So, yeah, it is a popular board of frustration. Right, moving on. Next game was Wolves in the FA Cup. Uh, we lost 2-1. Well, I've seen some people uh, getting very frustrated and very annoyed that we'd lost. I I'm, can can only be totally and brutally honest and say I really couldn't care less. Um, I, I'm just so focused on the Premier League and hopefully doing well in the Champions League as well that the only thing that came out of me came out of this game for me that that um, that I really enjoyed was the performance of, of one Kiana Hoover. But um, I know, guy, we, we'll speak about him a little bit more in depth once we get to the academy uh, section. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's best to do the same for uh, Curtis Jones and um, Camacho as well. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the same with you in, in terms of this role. I just obviously I'd want us to win and go through, but the fact that everyone got a rest and um, love when we got through scot free um ha- not happy days but almost content it, it, thing is we we put out a completely ro- rotated team we had 16 year old kids in at center back um with with a midfielder and we only lost pretty much we lost 2-1 to a full strength wolves team who had to score a worldie i mean at the time we at the time everyone was saying it was a horrendous performance and it wasn't very good but we only lost 2-1 to probably the best team of the rest in the Premier League. It's not that bad, to no. be honest. Yeah, and in the grand scheme of things, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, my, my, <laughs> I'm afraid my, my my emotions were pretty much the same as, as Klopp. It was clear as day. He wasn't really that fussed. And, and I, to be honest, I feel the same. And it's a shame because I can hack back to, you know, us winning the FA Cup multiple times and being overjoyed and it being a big thing. But... Right now, the here and now, where we are in the grand scheme of things, it's third on the list of priorities, and the other two priorities are much, much more important. And given the circumstances, yeah, I ain't that fussed. Uh, I was certainly more bothered about the next game away at Brighton. Um, only finished one nil. Could have been more. Um, and we saw the old narrative being dragged out again, the whole Mo Salah thing. But uh, I don't know about you, guy, but <laughs> I'm not sure quite quite how blatant the uh, the fouls have to be for them to just say, yeah, actually that was a penalty on Salah. Um, perhaps perhaps a centre back machine gunning him down would 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 that be acceptable? Um, probably not. <laughs> he went down very easy on that third yeah, bullet. Yeah, Jesus Christ. I mean. Yeah. It genuinely is getting at that stage. I mean, I can't, I can't really remember the Brighton game at all that well. It must have been pretty boring, <laughs> um, and pretty much last week feels about a year ago at this stage of the year. So I can't really remember this dive. I just read the thing on the Liverpool site and it said Pascal. Oh yes, I remember it now. Yes, I remember it now. I mean, it's clear as day. Penalty. It's clear as day. It's just. It's just a stupid narrative. I mean, maybe the, the the only one I could think that he's actually been given that soft was probably Newcastle, but it's still yeah, a penalty. For me, that was yeah. For yeah. me, yes, he exaggerated the contact, but it was still a foul. <laughs> it yeah. was a foul. God, said, you know. But uh, it's, ah, the, yeah. Um, anyway, anyway I, yeah. Can't, I can't remember anything else in that game. <laughs> no, no, it was it was pretty turgid. Uh, Salah actually missed missed an easy chance to make the day much more comfortable. But, you know, Brighton didn't offer him much. We got three points. That was the important thing. After losing back-to-back games, it was important for us to get back on winning ways. And and we did that. So that's what really counts from that game. Uh, Maybe the same could be said for against Palace. You know, the important thing is we came out of it with a win, three points. Um, But defensively, we looked really shaky and a little bit of a concern at the moment for me is is the defense isn't looking as solid as it was per, perhaps though it, 
can we can we sort of look to the fact that we've played Milner at right back against Palace and he got himself unnecessarily sent off in my yeah. view, and then Jordan Henderson at right back against Leicester where he struggled understandably because it's not his position. But do you think the fact that we don't have a recognised defender at fullback is really sort of un is unsteady in the whole sort of makeup and the balance of that defence? I don't think it's just the defence. I think it kind of unsettles the whole midfield because then you, I mean. In last night's game, you'd kind of try and overcompensate for Henderson possibly trying to push on, and then you unbalance the whole team. And obviously, we do that. Um, we cover Robbo quite well, but then Trent will sit back or Gomez, whoever's playing right back, and vice versa. But there just didn't seem when when it's obviously someone who's not naturally their position. The the whole feng shui is <laughs> the whole balance. Well, we've I got don't know feng shui mentioned in a football podcast. I, I like it. Exactly. Um, I don't know how I did that, but whatever. <laughs> it just seems to, it just kind of seems to unbalance the whole team and just kind of seem to be a mess. And yeah, I mean, is it, sorry, one, one guy then. Is it fair to mention as well though that when you look at, at Milner and Henderson, neither of them have much in the way of pace where mm. Robertson and Trent are both pretty rapid. So, it is the recovery pace, because you mentioned, you know, they both like to get forward and we do cover for them, but the yeah. fact that both of them have good recovery pace, yet in with obviously with Henderson and Milner doing a job to cover there, they don't have that, so perhaps that is a contributing factor as well? Yeah, it's a good point, actually. I mean, even Gomez, who's back up right back, I mean, he's a tank, but he's fast as hell. Um, so it makes sense. Albi's obviously fast as well as the back up left back. And... It just begs the question why Camacho didn't play, I suppose. Obviously, we'll mention it, but he wasn't too impressive against Wolves. But um, he still played more right... I know he's a winger, but he's played more right back than them two combined. Um, I think... uh, Just just sorry to jump in again, but I think given that against Palace, we knew what would be coming, and that would be the targeted diagonal long balls over to to Wilfred Zaha we knew that was going to be coming because they've they've targeted that against us before so I can understand playing a more experienced player in that position yeah it's a good point especially on the Palace I mean last night I'd probably went with Camacho I think Milner was the right choice against Palace I think that's right to say I mean last night Leicester don't I know Damari Gray but I mean he's patchy at best Um, last night I think he could have got away with Camacho pretty easily I mean especially they had Madison playing on the left wing, I know he should have scored and had a free kick um, quite early on, but um, it, it just it, it just didn't really seem to make sense last night um, especially at home especially at home, but I mean Crystal Palace is a fair point about Milner, it just it, when everyone was previewing the game I, was, I think I, I was on the Pro Plus preview I was going, oh Milner will be fine against Zaha, I mean I don't rate Zaha that much <laughs> That would be that would be yeah. Milner who got sent off against. Yeah, that would be, be Milner who got torched all day, defended poorly <laughs> for having two of the goals, got sent off. Made Zaha look like the sixty million pound player that some stupid club will pay. <laughs> it's, it's Jesus Christ, no, but yeah. it was just a, it was just a bit of a mess that game. Yeah, I, I think with Palace as well is it wasn't a good performance as we mentioned earlier. You know that there was the I thought. <laughs> Clear as hell, you know, uh, penalty, a handball on Townsend before they'd even scored, which should have been given. But the referee was Jonathan Moss. Uh, this is the guy who guessed um, what might have happened and gave a penalty against Spurs last year. It's horrendous referee. One of the worst in the league, and that's that's, that's quite saying something. But I, I think once we got ahead, it, for me, the game against Palace was it was it's just a matter of putting the game to bed. Uh, and we lacked any real control in that game, and that was a concern as well as obviously conceding the goals. But against Leicester last night, um, yeah, it wasn't a good performance. But I think I, I do think that the, the conditions played a, a big part in, in how we play because we had a lot of the ball and we've got players in there who like to quick turn and like, you know, look at Naby Keita, you look at uh, Robertson as well. Obviously, uh, Firmino, Salah, all these players like to quick, you know, quick shimmy turn. And and I I know it sounds like an excuse and whatnot, but I do think it played its part because so many of them players out there looked like they were Bambi on ice. It was like watching dancing on ice, if you actually watch that, the way that people were so unsteady on their feet. 
it was um it wasn't it wasn't the best of conditions and i just i know it sounds a bit, it might sound um a bit pathetic but i i really think it um it affected us more than Leicester just given the circumstances of how they play and, and the narrative of the match it looked like it really affected Allison. I'd pro- that's probably got the the biggest one I'd say concerned. I mean, he just seemed to be a bit panicky with his kicking. He seemed to not have the same, not composure, but he just didn't seem to have the same passing range. Maybe it affected him a bit. But yeah, I mean, the game was all, as soon as he saw it, it was absolutely um, smashing snow down, and the pitch, especially in the first half, was horrendous. Um, you just always knew it was going to be a messy game, and then obviously in the first two minutes we kind of dispel that and they play like one of our best crafted goals. Um, but the rest of the game after that two minutes, it was just a big snowy mess. Mm. And um, as you said, we just really lacked any control, and I think that kind of uh, we just obviously we didn't have too many chat. Well, no, they had a couple actually. I mean, they they, they had a few. I mean, look, yeah, they had a few Ma- good chances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, look, it was, it was clear as day, wasn't it, that Leicester came with a game plan. Mm, and that they would sit in, look to capitalise on any mistakes from those winning possession, and they were going to counter-attack us. And, and, and even at a goal down, they maintained what their, their game plan mm-hmm. was going to be. I think the key for us would have been, if we'd have got the second goal, then they would have had to change their game plan. Then things yeah. would have been different. They'd have opened up, and perhaps then we could have gone on and won the game more comfortably. But I think... Where, where I feel that the pitch really contributed was because players were were evidently nervous anyway, and then the crowd, the you know the nerves in the crowd was palpable. I think the fact that the players were struggling with their touch and struggling with their footing on the ground just contributed to more mistakes, unforced errors being made, and it was just kind of that opened things up to for Leicester to to counter and hit us even more, mm. and and it just it all. <laughs> It's a pun for you. It, for me, it just kind of snowballed through that first half. There's one for you. Oh, Where, where's the little drum and drum? <laughs> drum I'll, I'll get Nina to add that. <laughs> oh dear. But no, I mean, yeah, the first half especially was really sloppy. Um, after the after the goal, we just didn't we didn't seem to have that extra gear. And as you as you said, um, we 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 didn't. We needed that second goal, and it's a great point that it would have killed the game. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think it just stemmed from the weather and the mismatching team that we've obviously mentioned with Henderson there. I mean, I'm not saying Henderson's all that full for the game, the, the goal and the poor oh, performance, no, no, but no, it's just, not. It's, just a con- it, it's a contributing factor having someone out of position, isn't it? Yes, yeah, that's it. He, he tried, he tried his best, but he's not defensively minded in that way, mm-hmm. and, and he struggled. I thought yeah. he struggled throughout the game. I didn't think it worked. But that's not on him. Mm. He was he was just trying to do a role for the team. He was that, that he was asked to play, given the circumstances well, they're in. Well, I think uh, in the, I first, mean, the first part of the first half, I thought he was actually a good option. And then I think it came after the Matip yellow card. He can't, I don't know if he kind of got in his own head or something, because he obviously did the back heel, which led to that. And he seemed to be a bit more safe. And that's probably, that's probably the biggest criticism with Henderson, that he plays quite safe. And then... It just kind of became a bit of a confused performance, but it's not like... I mean, obviously the biggest talking point probably after this game, obviously the result's not great, but Naby Keita continues to be a decisive, a divisive figure in in the in the fan base, because I thought he played actually quite well, and he definitely was growing into the game as he got subbed off, but um, that's probably the main takeaway for me, is that Naby is definitely better in midfield than he is on the left. Yeah, I thought he was very iffy first half, but I thought mm-hmm. he was one of the players struggling with his with his footing, and and he looked a bit nervous of of doing the kind of things that he likes to do. But second half, he certainly looked better. Yeah. And the pitch can't be an excuse second half because obviously the work that was done in the attacking half of the pitch was attacking the cop in the second half. The pitch was much better second half, and and he was playing better. And yeah, it seemed a little unusual taking him off, uh, and I think he's getting a little bit over some of the stick he's getting a bit over the top, but. But yeah, like you said, you know the the pitch contributed first half, second half. I don't think we can you can use it as an excuse at all. I thought it was just not a very good performance overall. Um, but of yeah, you mentioned talking points, and the two big talking points are going to be 
the, what should have been a red card in the first half, I don't care how many referees are going to uh, rally round and support Martin Atkinson for, for the decision he made. You, you could even see the ball slowed up and practically stopped you know, a good 10, 15 yards from mm. the edge of the box. So there is absolutely no way on this earth that Maguire or Evans were going to get anywhere near Sadio Mane. He was getting on that. And whether he, w- he would have scored or not is irrelevant. It had to be a clear and obvious goal-scoring opportunity, you know, and and that would have been, he would have been through facing the goalkeeper. It's a goal-scoring opportunity. Whether he would have scored or not, who knows? But that's not the point. So for, it's a red card, and it's Harry Maguire, who then scores the equaliser in added time in the first half. So there's that big talking point, and then, obviously, there's the, the penalty incident on on, um, on Naby Keita, which... The referee had an excellent view because there's the three replays. The first two, the the first one you're not sure. The second one looks like a penalty. The third one is the referee is the review that the referee gets, and it's a stone waller. And I, I don't I don't know about you guy, but I'm just perplexed how he doesn't give them decisions other than it's Martin Atkinson. And the one thing I've always noticed from him is he's spineless. He doesn't like to make big calls. I agree with the criticism, but this may shock you, Andy, but I may be the, one of the only Liverpool fans who don't think it was a red card. I think the fact the ball's going away from goal, it's not, for me, it's not an obvious red card. I know people will be saying, chatting crap and all that right now, but um, I, I think the fact that it's going, the ball is turning away from goal kind of makes it a doubt, not doubtful, but it'll put doubt in the referees. And I agree Martin Atkinson is down there with the worst referees. Only like Anthony Taylor and John Moss, as you mentioned, probably worse. Um, but I, that's not my biggest gripe of the night. Um, but yeah, I, don't, I, I could see it being a red card. I can see why I give a yellow, but as you, especially with it being Harry Maguire, as you mentioned, there's definitely a favourable English buy. I mean, Dave mentioned it on Raw last night. Even even our very own James Milner and Henderson get away, get away with fouls and stuff like that. But it, it, I don't think it's clear as cut as people have made out. But the the penalty, the the, the Naby penalty. I know people mentioned the ball one where he gets forearm smashed, but I didn't, I didn't see it. I need to see that back actually. But um, the Naby Keita penalty must be one of the most obvious decisions ever because there's two fouls in there. Yeah. And he's looking right at it with a clear view. I mean, if you can't see him stand on his foot, I mean, what are you looking at? I, I, I don't get what he's not looking at. It's just, it's just, it, it's just. I think pathetic. he's looking for an excuse not to give a decision. Mm. Uh, I, that's that's you know for me he's he is. That's why I, I, I find him spineless. He he will not make calls that that might be seen in any way potentially controversial. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, the, the forearm one to the face, I think it looked worse on replays. I I didn't think that was a penalty, to be honest. I think, uh, just my personal opinion, mm-hmm. I, I've got no complaints over that not being given. When you watch the replays, you think, well, maybe it could have been, maybe. Yeah. But the Naby one, absolutely definite. I mean, as for the ball going away from goal, I think it was, yeah, it was deviating a little bit away, but I think Sadio mm-hmm. would have been that far ahead he would have been able to get to that in time to take the touch and be bearing down on goal. And that's why, for me, it was mm-hmm. th- there was a clear goal-scoring opportunity there for Sadio Mane. And, and for me, it was a professional foul that should have been a red card. Yeah, I think the professional foul thing is definitely more clear. I mean, whatever Maguire said in the post-match, I'm not sure if you saw it, but you said, oh, I didn't mean to do it. I mean, you literally booted him. <laughs> you yeah, tripped bullshit. him up. <laughs> yeah, you bullshit. tripped him up as he was running past bullshit. him. Yeah, so I mean, that I think that argument's probably more clear to yeah, me. Maybe his forehead grows every time he tells a lie. Jesus. Yeah, he's been telling lots of lies. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh dear! I mean, I'm glad he's not at Man United because that he'd be getting away with loads more shit, <laughs> loads more stuff. Then, oh dear. Anyway, anyway, so th- that was look, that was January, um, mm-hmm. a real mixed bag, wasn't it? But on top of all, I, it's, I know it's it's disappointing when we look at obviously coming off that game because it feels like an opportunity miss given that uh, Manchester City had lost away at Newcastle just 24 hours uh, uh, previous to that. So, but. Um, if the start at the start of the season, if you'd have said right, you know, at the end of January, we're going to be five points clear of City at the top of the league. I think everybody would have took that, wouldn't they? 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's just disappointing that Rafa Benitez, of all people, has gifted us a win. And then it's something we used to do under Rafa Benitez is fail to take the opportunity. But, no, I mean, having five points is definitely... It, it's dreamland stuff, isn't it? It is. It is. It is. And, and it's... Obviously, the, the emotions are still a little raw, so it's difficult to get that perspective. But um, hopefully, hopefully by the end of the season, we it, it won't matter a jot and we, we can all be celebrating regardless. So, goal of the month then, Guy. Come on, what's your goal of the month for January? I think you reminded me just before we started the podcast that there's really only one answer for this, and that's the one against Man City. I mean, the result was poor, but that goal was fabulous. Uh, we kept the ball for so long, and that Trent pass is just filthy. Um, and obviously, Robert does really well to make... I think the run's more impressive than the pass, if anything. Uh, and um, the control the control of the pass as well, um, it, it's just fantastic. Uh, so I have to give that answer. Um I can't, the Palace ones weren't all that great, and yesterday. Oh, I don't know. You know, the more one because it's it, to- it's a, a Virgil ball. shot from so far <laughs> out, and then he just nonchalantly outside of the boot yeah, sort of nips it past the keeper, just because it had Hodgson rubbing his face. Mm. Uh, just uh, that was the, delicious. The it, Mane it, one know. for the Robo handball as well. Yeah, oh, that was a beautiful finish. Uh, the, the Firmino's being deflected. Um, and, and obviously the goalkeeper for for Salah managing oh, to throw the ball in from all of uh, three millimetres out. <laughs> I mean, it was just, we almost sort of sent head, uh, Hudson over the edge. So all of them could have been contenders just for what it did to Roy Hudson. But, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and, and even Mane's against Leicester, that was a lovely finish. But but I've got to go with you as well, yeah. The Firmino goal versus City, yeah. His part in it was just a tap-in, but what led up to it beforehand, that ball from Trent, the run from Robertson, and that you know the the, the cutback of perfection from from Robertson as well. It was um, it was just a, a lovely a lovely work goal. Absolutely, absolutely, uh, one of our best, but probably forgotten because of the result. <laughs> yeah, it's fair enough. Um, what about player of the month though? Because I, I found this a little bit more difficult, and not for the reasons that we found it difficult in December, because there was so many contenders. I, I was I was kind of struggling a little bit to to who I could pick as a an outstanding player of the month. Um, yeah, I mean it is a tough month because we haven't played all that bloody well. Um, you could probably say Firmino or Salah because they've scored the goals. Um. But for me, Andy, the fact that he's such a miss when we haven't played, and obviously we mentioned Man- the midfield against Man City, for example, and he's been out of midfield playing centre-back, there's your hint. I'm going to pick Fabinho, because I think he's just been huge in the in in this month. He played centre-back against Wolves, was probably man of the match. Um Continued to play centre-back with Van Dijk against Brighton and was pretty much faultless throughout. Well, flawless throughout, I should say. And then he was back in midfield for um, uh, Palace, if I remember correctly. And um, he was one of our better players. He, he seemed to be the, Him and Henderson seemed to be two of the brightest sparks in that game. So, And the fact, obviously we're saying player of the month here, but when he doesn't play, the team just doesn't look the same as it was. Ginny Vijnaldum doesn't look the same. Henderson doesn't look the same when he plays there. And we're yet to really see Naby Keita play with Fabinho. But, I mean, the impact when he's not playing and the impact when he is playing is just, it's just huge now. And I think he's hes starting to get into that bracket with your Van Dykes, Allisons and Salah where you just go, he should be one of the first names on the team sheet. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to agree because... I was tempted to go for Salah just because his goals have made a difference again this season, uh, this uh, this month. But yeah, I, I've got to go with you for for, uh, for for Fabinho, if I can even get the words out of my mouth. <laughs> um, j- just as you mentioned, you know, he, not just his performances in midfield, but he's covered at centre back. Looked looked so good. He's just such a such a comfortable player. And, and that big thing, that real key thing, of. When he's not there, you really miss him, uh, and I think that really just highlights, you know, how important he's very, very quickly becoming. And I know some people don't seem to 
rate him that highly and think he's done okay and and all the rest of it. For me, um, no, I, I thought I, I think he's had a couple of iffy games, but other than that, I think he's been very very good and, and he's becoming a key player, a very very important player. So uh, yeah, absolutely should be playing. So yeah, I'm I'm going to give Fabinho my player of the month as well, guys. So that the we, first we, time we've agreed. I was just going to say we we've got a, a full house on goal and player of the month. Yeah, that's it's not bad. Definitely that. a first, though. Maybe we agreed on Gomez in the first month. I think that might have been a <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I, it wasn't Lallana. I, anyway, I don't want to start going into the whole Lallana stuff. Anyway, oh god, no. Uh, maybe that's why we brought him on last we, night. You know, we don't him have in the shop window for, for Bournemouth. <laughs> we don't have just, time for that. Yeah, just reminding Bournemouth that he's still alive, uh, and if they, you know, fancy. If they've got 10, 15 million quid spare that they don't know what to do with, you know, here's this guy. Um, anyway, anyway, anyway. <laughs> what about the academy then? Now, what's what's happening with the under-18s and under-23s? And then we can talk about um, the guys that we saw in the Wolves match, as you mentioned. Yeah, um, I, I won't go as detailed because we're a bit short for time. I'll just go through the results and then we can talk about the Wolves game. But under-23s, drew one all with Tottenham, um, drew one all with Brighton, drew one all with West Brom, and then we beat Swansea 2-0 um, uh, like a week ago. And um, under-18s, only the three games in this one, um, beat Sunderland 1-0, Beat Accrington Stanley 4 0. I'm not sure what the hell competition that is. Uh, yeah, that's FA a, Youth yeah, Cup. the FA Youth Cup, isn't oh, it? Youth Cup, yeah. Uh, if, <laughs> wondering why I stumbled there, the writing on the LFC website is tiny. <laughs> and then we uh, lost to Manchester United in the Premier League Cup 3 um, 2 after extra time. I think we were winning 2 0 in that game. And I think Bobby Duncan uh, and Paul Glatz will continue to impress, but unfortunately we, we lost to Man United in the mini derby. But, um, yeah, there's not really anything eye catching there, Andy, but that Wolves game, I mean, what? Yeah, sorry, just before you go, I mean, you mentioned yeah. there Bobby Duncan mm. and, and Paul Glatzel, you know, they're, they're two names from the under-18s under that keep coming up through this season. They're obviously impressing. But yeah, into that Wolves game, another under-18. That was hugely, hugely impressive. It, it wasn't he, Kiana Hoover. Ridiculous mm. to think that the, the lad was just sixteen years old. I mean, that's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, he's, he's, I think he's been fast tracked in the under twenty threes because they're they're struggling defensively. I think he's played centre back and right back from. I haven't looked at the recent team sheets, but I'm not sure if he's back with the under eighteens. But I mean, he, you don't want to be heaping pressure on him. And stuff, and obviously that happened quite a lot extra as soon as after the Wolves game, especially. But um, he he looks like a star um, in the making. It just it just it just be interesting to see whether that's at centre back or right back because I think right back is actually his position. But um, I mean, I'm not saying he should be an option for the Premier League squad. But if we're if we're running out of mid utility midfielders, I mean, I wouldn't be that. Bothered if we put him in against some of the lower teams in the league, uh, right back. What, but, I mean, what really struck me, sorry, sorry, mm, guy, but what no, really got... struck me in that in that game was the confidence and assurance mm. of a lad that age. Uh, just absolutely breathtaking for me to to carry the ball out of defence and go on a run, dribbling past a couple of players at that age to have the confidence and assurance to do that. I mean, they're established internationals who would just hoof it clear, and yeah. lots of them. You know, they don't have that about them. And to see this from a kid, I mean, he is a kid. He's like, he's mm. a year older than, than one of my children. <laughs> it's like, my son was watching it, he's going, I can't believe he's only a year older than me. And it's, <laughs> this is the thing, it's it's mad. And and it, I, for me, that was just so, so impressive. And I think you're absolutely right that it is important that we don't heap too much in the way of pressure and expectation because obviously there's a long way to go for him. Yeah, there'll be he'll go through all sorts of stages of development. But here's a question for you then. You say he's more comfortable at right back. Uh, Klein's gone out on loan. We know obviously that he's going to be most likely he's going to be moving on. Is there an argument for perhaps getting in an experienced right back on a short term? Maybe you know get him in for a, a couple of years as cover for Trent, who might not be too bothered about you know just being back up and playing their game and here and there. 
with the view that maybe maybe two years down the line that Kiana Hoover then can come into the first team squad and be an option at right back. It's definitely a good shout, and obviously we're, we're recording this on deadline day, uh, so nothing's going to happen today. Um, I think this will probably be out after deadline day. But I mean, in the summer, I mean, just to use an example, I mean, say if we signed Juan Fran from Atletico, I'm not sure if he's actually still at Atletico. I'm just using him as an example because I know he's experienced and obviously won stuff at Atletico, so it'd be a, a, a good signing on paper, I suppose. He could teach Trent some stuff. He could teach Kia Yana Hoover some stuff. Um, but I think it's definitely a good shout in terms of getting um, getting a, an experienced one. Because Kiana, I mean, if his long-term future is at centre-back, maybe he has a similar development arc as um, Joe Gomez, who obviously started off at full-back. But um, if, if Kiana, obviously, if he develops physically and a bit taller, I mean, he might be the successor to Van Dijk in the centre. But we've seen with Joe Gomez, he can still have a pathway from playing at fullback, and I think he's played right, mostly right back at uh, under twenty three and under eighteen level. So, if we've got a a, a long term fight between him and Trent at right back, obviously Trent. So, I some people say he might go into midfield. I think he's I think he's perfect at right back. Um, but whatever whatever happens with Trent long term, um, I mean we've got the we've got the next best crop we've got the next next crop of best right back in the world there i think but um i think in long term he'll go center back and maybe we'll see joe gomez and kiana hoover um not not immediately but maybe five six years time when van dyke's aged a bit that might be the future of liverpool football club yeah that's it'd a be, lot of pressure nice. i put on I put a lot of pressure <laughs> yeah. on that concert and said, "Don't put pressure on him." <laughs> but it, it's it's just it's, it would be nice, wouldn't it, to think that we are, we can bring players through the squad and they will become uh, regular players in the future. But not only just mm. they become regular players just because they come through, but they're good enough to be playing at the highest level and at the level that we're, we're retaining to be. So it it is it is nice to be able to bring through a, a few youngsters. So. Yeah, he certainly looked promising. Uh, and just briefly, then Camacho and Curtis Jones, uh, two more guys from the from the academy set up. Um, how, how do you feel they fared? Because I didn't think they did badly, but I didn't think they really sort of stood out in any way. There was nothing there that jumped out to me to say these guys have got to be involved. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think Curtis Jones showed in little glimpses that he he has a lot of technical ability and a lot of confidence. I think he he took the ball once and skinned a couple of people, if I remember correctly. This was obviously three weeks ago. And Camacho, obviously the game kind of turned into a big mess because we kind of just pushed everyone on. But he just... He looked like a winger playing at right back, and that's what he is. He's never really played right back. He's all, he, he played wing back for Gerard mostly, if I remember correctly. I think he played right back a couple of times. But this season, from my understanding, very limited understanding of the, of the under-23s, um, is that he's pretty much played as a right winger. Or he's definitely more of a forward um, in, in one of them positions. But um, it obviously... It's good that young players are versatile, but if we want these players to excel, it's probably best we get them a position and then kind of stick with it. And then maybe, obviously, Kiana, I think Kiana's 17 now, so he might be a bit more of an option next season. So it might be just best to say, all right, Camacho, you can now get an opportunity on the wing rather than being third-choice right-back. Um, and then Kiana can be um, third-choice right-back or whatever. Uh, but um, yeah, I think Camacho's definitely a winger. You could you could see that in this game. He's de- he just didn't he didn't really have defensive instincts. And obviously, I've got to mention Albi Moreno on every pod. But even if even if you compared them in that game, Albi Albi's obviously get headless chicken labelled at him sometimes. But he still has a look now and again. Who's behind him? I mean, people may not agree with that, but he definitely has a look. It's just a choice if he actually goes back. Whereas Camacho just seemed to go all. Alonso at Chelsea, where he just did not give a toss one one bit about defending. Yeah, he, he did have a nice moment in the when he came on late in the in the uh, the Palace mm. game. But I, I mean, it's clear. I mean, obviously in preseason it was clear with Curtis Jones. The lad's got a lot of talent, but yeah, it's clear that you know the the talented players. But 
um, I guess we'll just have to see what the future holds and see how the development mm. goes. But um, anyway, ni- nice, nice to see uh, um, products from the academy getting a bit of game time, and, uh, and hopefully they will progress and we will see more of them. Um, Fantasy Football League, then, uh, guy, because you do the FPL pod, don't you? Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to? <laughs> I was going to say, do you want to talk us through where, who's leading what? Because um, I'm not doing too well in the AI Contributors League. Yeah, can do. I mean, AI Contributors. Um, I can't remember if he was last month, but Simon Dowling finally toppled Neil C. Um, so well done, Simon. There, he's had a bad. He's had a bad week this uh, this week by the looks of it, but he's still top, just just about. Um, and he, he's one of the contributors, so it's actually good to. Kind of be verified in the fact that we have someone who knows what they're talking about on that podcast. And I'm but, in the relegation places, so that doesn't yes, say a lot. <laughs> yes. Doesn't say much for this pod. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm only in top six. I'm, I'm proper Man United. Um, and, I mean, still top of the the public league is Richard Merritt, who I think we've meant, who's pretty much been top all season. Um, but, I mean, he's. He, He's got the highest score this game week by a million miles, and he's definitely a time traveller who's cheating. <laughs> yeah. There, there uh, is definitely some wizardry going on somewhere. Yeah, no, uh, nobody's that good. Nobody's no, that good. Just, just, uh, just on the Liverpool side of it then, with the Liverpool players, uh, looking looking at the stats for the highest scoring players, um, like basically in the game, all players, I see Salah is top in that list. He's on 179 points. Um, a full 31 points ahead of Aubameyang, who's nearest to him. So um, Liverpool players doing well, but I've noticed that a few of the other Liverpool players are kind of dropping down that list a touch. So, yeah, Salah, Salah tops that one. Uh, as goalkeepers go, and obviously Salah's top of the Liverpool one, say 179 mm-hmm. points. Uh, looking at that, uh, the, the nearest to him in terms of Liverpool players, you've got Robertson on 131, which is very good for defenders. Uh, Mane's on 124, Van Dijk on 119, Firmino 114, Alisson 110. So um, plenty of Liverpool players kind of doing well. Um, what 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 do you make of, um, of, of the balance then? Because... Our defence has not been doing so great lately. So, do you, if you if you're looking to get as many Liverpool players in as possible in your team, is is it really sort of shifting to the midfield then? Um, possibly. I mean, it, I have for me personally, and as I said, I'm kind of middling um, in, in all my leagues. Um, I have Allison in goal and uh, Robertson. But they're they're the two. They're obviously the two highest scorers in their position in the league. And obviously, Allison's bot. I think he's probably the most expensive. Maybe, but maybe not as expensive as De Gea. But um, it's just we we've obviously got really leaky, and um, I've, I, I will we're about to preview the next set of fixtures. But um, I think we have an easy run, so I'll probably stick with the defence for now. But if this sloppiness continues, especially when Trent or and or Gomez are back, that would probably be a bit more of a worry. But hopefully, next week or next game. Um, against West Ham, they're obviously quite dangerous, and I don't really want to see Milner v uh, Felipe Anderson. But um, hopefully, after West Ham, there's a, there's a couple of teams that don't have the similar threats, and hopefully, we'll have Trent and Gomez back, which should um, sure us up. And I think that's when the defense can shine again. So, from from my two cents, I'd probably keep the defense for now, and Salah's simply a must own. Yeah, apart from me, because uh, I'm superstitious yeah, you're, you're about breaking. having Liverpool players in my team, because I don't want to um, curse them and get them injured. So, um, and as always, as we finish up on the the fantasy, there is the uh, the FPL pod, isn't there? That you do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm not sure we'll do one this week, because obviously we play. We obviously. We played yesterday, and then we played to uh, the the game week will start. I mean, words are failing me here, but uh, the game week starts pretty much um, Saturday, so there won't be that much of a turnover. But maybe if we can squeeze one in on Tuesday, we can cover the transfer window as well for, for FPL people. And Liverpool won't be mentioned in that section. Yeah. But, <laughs> but Ooh, just, um, just yeah. on that, then maybe you can tell me the wild card. Does that have uh, like a a, de- a deadline on it? Um, you get two throughout the season, so I think you've missed your chance to use your first one. I've um, already used one of them. Ah, you've used one. No, you, can, you just got it till the end of the season, Andy. Oh, right. That, well, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. 
yeah. yeah. Uh, words were failing me last night as well, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> right. A bit of trivia then. Here you go. Uh, not too many birthdays in February. Uh, only the one from the squad. A lot of uh, legends having their birthdays through February, though. 7th of Feb, uh, Sammy Lee turns 60. Um, the 10th of February is Nabi Kater's birthday, so he'd be 24. So, yeah, just turning 24. Still very young, only his first season in the Premier League. Still learning the language. A lot of adjustment to be made. Hint, hint. Give the lad a chance. Um, 11th of February, I know he's not the most popular with a lot of people and he was kind of grinding my gears on BT commentary last night, but Steve McManaman, um, he was born 11th of February, 1972. Uh, he was a tremendous player to watch, but anyway, um, Valentine's day, 14th of Feb, you can, you can celebrate it with your other half by telling them that Kevin Keegan was born that day in 1951. Uh, another legend uh, has his birthday on the 20th of February. That's Phil Neal. He was also born in 1951. And we finished February up with uh, on the 28th with uh, the gr- the late, great Ronnie Moran. Uh, would have been his birthday as well. So uh, I miss, miss Ronnie Moran. He was just such a legend of the club. Uh, just everything. Just loved him. Loved him. Anyway, a bit of trivia for you, Guy. In this month, we do play Bayern Munich in the uh, Champions League, and it will be the first time since 1981 that we've actually faced them in a competitive match. Uh, We did play them in the European Super Cup in 2001, but I don't consider that a competitive match. It's just basically another like Charity Shield friendly type thing. Anyway... In the six competitive ties against them, we've won one, we've lost one, and we've drawn four. So we played them um, March 71 in the what was the European Fairs Cup, is became the UEFA Cup, and now the Europa League, as, as my memory. Um, we progressed through that one because we beat them and drew. Um, later that year, uh, we played them again, this time in the Cup Winners' Cup. And we lost there. We lost away, drew at Anfield and lost away. And then in 1981, the last time we played them, we drew at Anfield and we drew away at the Olympia Stadion in Munich 1-1. So we went through on away goals and that was in the semi-finals of the European Cup. So big game, big game by Munich, isn't it? Coming up. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh... It's great having the Champions League back as well. I mean, it just it just adds an extra spice to a couple to games, doesn't it? And I mean, it's it's kind of cool. We've played PSG, who we've never well, we never played this version of PSG before, um, and I can't remember the last time we played them. And um, Bayern Munich, uh, we haven't really played in my time supporting them. I think that Super Cup was probably the last time. Well, I'd be, I'd be pretty much conscious, but I didn't obviously watch the game. I'm probably a seven or something back then. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, we've had some new experiences in the Champions League this season. I mean, uh, PSG, as I mentioned, and now Bayern Munich. Obviously, we're going to talk about them in, in the preview bit now, but Noel Van Dyke is terrifying. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, looking forward to the Champions League coming back. Yeah, and that's it. I mean, we'll we'll do this. We'll cover this game then before we we move on to our Premier League predictions. So we we play them in the first. So it's the obviously it's the knockout stages now. The first leg at home at Anfield um, on the nineteenth of February, and then we go across to uh, Germany a few weeks later in March. So <clears throat> there's games sandwiched around it. Obviously, it's going to be a bit bit of a tight time. Um, City have also got plenty of games, so it's kind of the same for both teams in that respect. But, yeah, it's great to be playing a European giant. And as mentioned, you know, the last time we played them in a competitive game was the semi-final of the European Cup back in 1981. So it's a a long, long time since we've faced them. It's like 38 years. So I I just think the whole thing in there, the the clock factor, um, you know, the... The fact that Bayern is such a massive club, but not as great a team as they have been over recent years. Um, there's a real opportunity to go through, but I don't think we can overlook it, uh, how good they can be still. And it's going to be... I, j- I just see it being the Titanic tussle guy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this game, 
we'll probably like just descend into madness because we won't have our star player <laughs> playing at the back and it'll just kind of turn into an all 16-17 match or 15-16 where it just goes, okay, it's going to be free all <laughs> within 10 minutes or something like that. Um I if mean, he's if he's missing a match though, I'd prefer it to be the first leg at home rather than away from home. Yeah, but, you know, I, I, because Bayern are definitely stronger at home than they are away from home. So yeah, I, I'd much rather him be missing the the home game, and especially with it being the first leg, but it was tend to be a little bit tighter, and uh, then then when it gets to the second leg, uh, and obviously everyone's more acutely aware that it needs to be done by the end of that night. So. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah. More comfortable in that respect. Yeah, it's a, it's a fair point. It's a fair point. Um, it's just the fact we're just used to having him there now. Hopefully, well, Gomez. Hopefully, Touchwood will be back by then, so that that could lift some of the concerns, I suppose. I mean, Matip for me. I mean, for me, if it's Matip and Gomez, that'll be fine. I mean, it'll probably end up being Gomez and Lovren. Um, but whatever. Um, I, it just. God, I want to win the Premier League. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, I know. I know what you're saying. Um, that that is more than anything. It's the Premier League. I don't want to pick up any injuries. It'd be great to go through, but the most important thing: I don't want to pick up injuries. Mm-hmm. And and if we do go out, I don't want it to be in in a way that harms our confidence. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And and the Premier League is the the primary focus. But I, I bloody hell, I'd love to win them both. You know what I mean? Who wouldn't? Don't get greedy uh, now. Yeah. But anyway, look, um, I will be doing a full preview of the match uh, in the Champions League preview podcast um, in the the run-up to that game, and I will have Chris Williams from the Gig Impressing podcast on with me for that as well. So if you are particularly looking forward to that game, the the preview podcast will be available on Field Index in the run-up to the game. So obviously we'll give you a much more in-depth preview to that. Um. All we've got left then, Guy, is our predictions for February's Premier League matches. Um, quick look back then on January oh, to God. see where we are, see how things are. And um, surprise, surprise, you're still winning. Yeah. Okay, so you're... Um, we'll quickly do the results first. Um, against Man City, you predicted 2-2. I predicted 1-1, and obviously we lost 2-1, so neither of us got a point there. Uh, Brighton, you went for 3-0. I went for 2-1, and it was 1-0, so we got a point apiece. Um, Palace, you went 2-0, I went 1-0. Nobody expected (laughs) 4-3. We got a point each. And Leicester, you went for a 4-1 win. I went for 2-1, and it obviously finished 1-1, so neither of us got a point. Yeah, so we... If we'd have just scored, if we, it's a conspiracy. Martin Atkinson was conspiring against me getting three points in that game. So anyway, it won't help what we said about him in the first bit. <laughs> <laughs> so it basically it means that you're on twenty three points and I'm on sixteen. So um, you're winning, but you know I've still got a hope in here. Couple still results, got a hope. couple results, Andy, and it's all changed. Yeah, if I just stop referees conspiring against me, <laughs> we'll be all right. So first one up then, uh, and it's Monday night. West Ham away from home. What are you going to go for? Oh God. They're a bit awful, but they have some star quality, so I don't think it'll be an easy game. I think let's go 3-2 to Liverpool. I'm going for the same score because although I know it's been said West Ham have better players than Leicester, I think Leicester are better organised and have, have probably have a better game plan mm. than Leicester. And Claude Puel does tend to do well against Klopp as well, so... Yeah, I'm going to go for a bit of a, a, a win, but a mad one. So I'm going to go same as you, 3-2. Uh, next one, we're home to Bournemouth. What about that? We like playing Bournemouth, don't we? Especially we at home. Um, let's go 2-0. Let's go a bit safe. I've gone 2-0 as well. I thought you were going to go like 7-0 or something. Oh, like God, that. no. No, I've learned my lesson. If we can't beat <laughs> Fulham at home that way, I'm not, we're, not, we're never doing it. <laughs> that was 6 0 that you predicted yeah, against yeah. Fulham, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, then the one that I am really uh, not God. looking forward to, because um, Bournemouth comes just before the Bayern game, and the game after it is Man United away from home. A rejuvenated Man United under, you know, the inspired leadership of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. What are you going for? I hate Man United. 
so much. Um, I want to see his crimpled little face cry. I want him to turn straight into Gollum. Um, oh, screw it. We're going to win 2 now. I like it. They're awful. Um, they're still awful, but they're just scoring more goals. They've just got more confidence and yeah. they're actually allowing their actually very trying. good attacking players to attack. But they're, hey, you know. They're actually trying now as well. Yeah, they? yeah. Well, t- yeah. Let's let's hope he does turn fully into um, into David Moyes. But anyway, I'm going to go for a two-two on that one. I, I'm going to I'm going to stick I'm going to stick with my uh, superstitions. So you've gone two-nil for Liverpool on that. Uh, last game of the month. Then uh, we're at home to Watford. So another team we tend to like playing at home. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Watford have not really troubled us since the Martin Skirtle days, have they? Um, if I remember correctly. No, we drew them at the start of last season, didn't we? Um, yeah, it's just, they they seem to be kind of built for us. Obviously, they're a bit slow. I mean, they've added a couple more speedy players, and obviously Van Dyke deals with big lumps up front quite well, um, and they, they don't really defend that well. So I'm quite confident in this one I'll go, Oh, why not? Let's go 4 0. 4 0, yeah. It, nobody troubled Liverpool like Martin Skirtle. <laughs> no, I didn't get that the wrong way around. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go 3 1 to Liverpool on this one then. So, yeah, it's. Um, it, I, th- I think when we look at that, February could, could very well be a, a really big defining month for Liverpool, couldn't it? Um, I know there's not many fixtures there, but. Predicted another hundred percent month. <laughs> yeah, but apart it's... from Bayern, we yeah. What's your prediction for Bayern? Even though it doesn't count. I think, in all honesty, I think at this stage, I say we will just win. We will win at home, but lose away, and and it's just by how many goals either end. I couldn't say. That's the. I, I just. I'm so kind of up in the air because I've seen. Bayern, obviously I watch Bayern from time to time through the season because I follow Bundesliga football. Um, they can be really good, but they can also be really poor. Uh, and I watched them uh, just over a week ago against Hoffenheim and, and they were excellent in the first half and they were pretty poor in the second half. So mm. you it, you just don't know what you're going to get from Bayern. So they, they are unpredictable. Uh, so it's I think it's going to be tough, but I just look at them... Premier League fixtures, and I think important thing is how we perform away to West Ham. We've got to make sure we do the job there. Uh, Bournemouth and Watford at home, you would expect to be beating them just because yeah. of the way they they can play against us. And we're at home, obviously that one away from home at Man United to get something from that fixture, I think would be really really important for us because uh, they're going to be bang up for it, and and they've got to play City as well. Though. So you know, it'd be lovely to think we can win all the games. Yeah, absolutely, and I think United play PSG, won't they, as well, at the same time we play Munich, so we'll be possibly both coming off the back of big results. Yeah, so, well, yeah. Yeah, just uh, just please, 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 <laughs> please. Yeah, don't, please. Don't, don't screw it Because the other thing is, you know, if, if if we were able to win four games, that that's just four games closer to the end of the season, uh, and that's the thing, isn't it? Because there's, what, is there 13 games left? Is there 14 games left? Something like that. Uh, 14 many, at the minute, yeah. Yeah, 14 games. So that would leave us 10 games away from the end of the season. And um, if we still have this point, this gap, you know, it, it, it just gets that bit closer, doesn't it? But anyway, I, I don't want to get too far in advance. Just fingers crossed, please, please, Liverpool, come back and, and be imperious and stop, stop doing this damage to my heart and my blood pressure. I just can't take much more oh, of no. that guy. Oh, no, no, God, no. <laughs> I'll be a quivering wreck by the end of the season. Uh, you're, you're younger than me. You should be able to take all this heartache. No, I mean I've only grew up with failure, Andy. You could, you could, you can be lucky. <laughs> <laughs> you look like you're about ninety-five by the time you hit forty, don't you? Really? Yeah. I mean, I had all eight or nine. And I've had 13, 14 in my two title chasing seasons, and we screwed them both. <laughs> so I'm scarred. That's yeah. why I'm broke. That's why the younger generation's broken. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it. And th- and that'll be it for this month. <laughs> um, yeah. Please, Reds. Come on, Reds. Do do us a favour. Third time lucky for Guy. Eh? Let do the business for him. Exactly. Um, 
but that's it anyway. Uh, that's uh, January's all January stuff dealt with. Uh, February looked ahead to, and on the whole, guy, it's you know we, we're really far into the competition, into the the season, I should say. You know, looking strong uh, in two competitions. Liverpool are progressing, and and that's I know obviously you know on the back of disappointing performances it's hard to have that perspective but it has been a good season up to now hasn't it yeah it's been the near perfect season i mean there's obviously the question marks about europe especially and stuff like that but i mean that we got through that that's fine um and the league's been near perfect i mean the city games weren't great but last night was probably the worst result of the season so far i mean we've obviously lost against city but that city i mean leicester's a slip-up um, so yeah, I mean, but near perfect season so far. I mean, there's not really anything to complain about at all. No, no. Uh, and and if we looked back and thought November was a mixed bag, and we responded by having um, an absolutely flawless December, well, here you go, Reds fans. Uh, hopefully, we respond with a mixed bag of January by making February a flawless month. Um, but anyway, from myself and Guy, it's a big, big thank you to each and every one of you for listening. We really do appreciate you tuning in. Uh, but until next month from the Reds Review uh, monthly audio magazine here at Anfield, then next from myself and Guy, until next month, it's bye-bye now. Network.